0: it's sunday november 28th 2021 we're live welcome to the african history network show
1: right here on nine ten A.M. on the superstation the future radio uh, we're going to uh discuss the um 400th year anniversary of what we have been taught is the first thanksgiving that took place in 1621 okay in uh plymouth massachusetts 1621 and more and more people are learning and i posted a number of articles uh on uh, november 24th thanksgiving day uh or november 25th i should say thanksgiving day and um dealing with the national day of mourning the national day of mourning which was first uh celebrated in 1970 so this is the 52nd anniversary of the national day of mourning but this is also um the 400th year anniversary of what we have been told was the first thanksgiving and we've all seen a lot of uh a lot of paintings of the first thanksgiving and uh the pilgrims um feeding the uh Wampanoag, uh native americans well for a lot of uh native americans they don't celebrate thanksgiving they have a national day of mourning and uh, this year, 2021, is the 400th year anniversary of 1621 when we were told this was the first uh, Thanksgiving. OK, so we're going to deal with some of that history. There was a big uh, article from uh, The Washington Post called This Tribe Helped the Pilgrims Survive for Their First Thanksgiving. They still regret it 400 years later. Okay. This tribe, and it's referring to the Wampanoag, uh, this tribe helped the pilgrims survive for their first Thanksgiving. They still regret it 400 years later. So we're going to break down this history and separate fact from fiction as we usually do uh, here on the African History Network show. Okay. Separate fact from fiction, and we'll talk about how uh, Thanksgiving evolved into uh, the celebration that uh, it is today. All right. So we'll discuss that. And then uh, also we'll talk a little bit about the history of Black Friday. Uh, each year I see misinformation floating around, uh, trying to associate the origin of Black Friday to slavery. I don't know where they're getting that nonsense from. Uh, notice when they do that, they don't cite any sources because there are none. It's just more nonsense. So we'll do with some of the origins of Black Friday. We know Black Friday is the day after uh thanksgiving and uh it's usually the largest shopping day uh of the year okay so we'll deal with uh uh black friday as well and deal with some of that history and the origins of black friday then i did a special broadcast on wednesday november 24th uh at our a little past our regular time we normally on monday through friday 11 p.m to midnight Eastern Standard Time and Sundays, uh, 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But Thursday, I'm sorry, Wednesday, because of the uh, verdict of guilty, guilty, guilty in the uh, McMichael Bryan murder trial of Ahmad Arbery, we did a special broadcast on Wednesday. And it's been, re- it's been re-airing on my Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network, and our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I M H O T E P. So, um, even if I'm not here on 910 or the station may be shut down because of the holidays as it was, a lot of times I'm still broadcasting. All right. So follow me on my Facebook fan page, the African History Network, the African History Network, our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I M H O T E P. And you can, um, uh, watch the uh, video from, wednesday november twenty, uh november 24th where, where we dealt with the verdict and we dealt with the charges et cetera. so we're going to do a, a brief recap of that here today and uh mott uh mother wanda cooper jones is uh she talked about uh being thankful for the guilty verdict we know this was a tremendous um we know this was a, 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 a tremendous weight on her and uh, Ahmad Arbery's father. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about that and uh, we'll deal with why was only one defendant in Ahmaud Arbery's, uh killing guilty of malice murder. That was Travis McMichael. He was guilty of malice murder where the uh, other two defendants were not guilty of malice murder and they were found guilty on on different charges. But uh, Travis McMichael, the one who shot uh, Ahmaud Arbery was guilty on all nine counts. Okay, so we'll break that down uh, as well. Okay, now on the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world, because right now it's correct wrong behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, And what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you haven't taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts, you can control the circumference of his or her actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Now, we deal with a number of different topics here on the African History Network show. We deal with current events in history and politics education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Sign up for our email newsletter, text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828, the sign up for our email newsletter, text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828, the sign up for our email newsletter. Also visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, you can sign up for the email newsletter there as well. Okay. So we're coming up here on a uh, on a break in, in just in a couple of minutes here. Calling number is 313-778-7600, 313 778 is the calling number if you have a question or comment. 313 778 Now, Thanksgiving Day is a national holiday in the United States. And Thanksgiving Day 2021 occurs on Thursday, occur, occurred on Thursday, November 25th. In 1621, the Plymouth colonists and the Wampanoag uh, Native American nation shared an autumn harvest feast that is acknowledged today as one of the first Thanksgiving celebrations in the colonies. Is acknowledged as one of the first Thanksgiving celebrations in the colony, and this is a famous painting here that you uh, that we see every year and we're told this was the first thanksgiving and we were told that the the pilgrims invited the uh, uh, the Wapanoag Native American nation to celebrate with them and celebrate that first harvest okay that's not exactly how the story went and one of the things that I do when I teach this history is we deal with this history from the Native American perspective so I'm going to share an article uh that came out a few years ago and i do i, I do with this each year on my show we deal with this history from the native american perspective not the perspective of the colonizers now for more than two centuries days of thanksgiving were celebrated by individual colonies and states for more than two centuries even before 1863 okay it wasn't until 1863 In the middle of the Civil War, that President Abraham Lincoln proclaimed a national day, uh, a national Thanksgiving Day, to be held each year. Okay, that wasn't until 1863, but we see it going back to the the first uh, uh, official uh, Thanksgiving Day was proclaimed in 1789 by George Washington uh, during the American Revolutionary War. Uh, the Continental Congress designated one or more days of Thanksgiving a year, and in 1789, uh, President George Washington issued the first Thanksgiving proclamation by the national government of the United States. In, it, in this proclamation, he called upon Americans to express their gratitude for the happy conclusion to the country's war of independence and the successful ratification of the US Constitution you listen to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation the Future Radio, i Michael M. Hotep. We'll be back in a few minutes. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation of Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, November 28th, 2021, and we are live. Calling numbers 313-778-7600, 313-778-7600 is the calling number if you have a question or comment so right before the break we started dealing with some of the real history and the origins of thanksgiving the national day of thanks and we were talking about the wapanoag native american nation which is the native american nation that the pilgrims had a peace treaty with um in 1621 so we're dealing with some of this history and separating fact from fiction and we're going to deal with how what we've been told is the first uh, thanksgiving in this country in 1621 the the way it's been told is not historically accurate And we're going to deal with this history from the native american perspective now i encourage people to read uh this book here african people and european holidays and mental genocide by dr shaka musa barashango this is book number one and then you also have book number two okay now um let me say this from the beginning uh I know a lot of African Americans celebrate Thanksgiving. Okay, so I'm not attacking them for celebrate celebrating Thanksgiving. I, I, I totally understand wanting to be with family and being thankful and eating and things like this. But when we deal with, first of all, any of these European holidays that we participate in, we should at least know the history of what it is we're participating in to determine it, to determine how we participate in the holiday. Number one. Number two, um, once you learn the real history, you know, you may not want to celebrate at all. Doesn't mean don't get together with family. Doesn't mean you're not going to eat, et cetera. But this whole history of Thanksgiving and the Wampanoag nation helping, uh, the, Native, the helping Europeans, okay, who are, who were known as the pilgrims, but all the people on the Mayflower ship were not pilgrims. There were 102 passengers on the Mayflower ship, okay. Only about 36 were pilgrims. All of them on the Mayflower, not pilgrims either. Uh, so we have to separate fact from fiction. Now, there's a there's a good article here from uh we're gonna go to clip one here in just a second, Jalen. Uh we're gonna I mean, actually which clip is that? Um not not clip. I think it's gonna be clip two we're gonna go with first. Um we're gonna go to uh, clip number two in just a second. Hundreds gather for day of mourning. OK, so. Th- there was a big article from The Washington Post. Uh, came out uh, November 4th, 2021. This tribe helped the pilgrims survive for the first Thanksgiving. They still regret it. 400 years later, long marginalized and misrepresented in U.S. history. The Wapanogs are bracing for the 400th anniversary of the first Pilgrim Thanksgiving in 1621. OK, so this year is the anniversary of this is November. It's the anniversary of that. So uh, and this article is written by Dana Hedgepath. She was introduced. Viewed by Joanne Reed on the Reed report on uh, the readout uh, on Wednesday, November 24th. We're going to share that interview as well with you because there's a lot of history in all of this. So if we look at this uh, article quickly here, um, the. They talk about uh, uh, overlooking the chilly waters of Plymouth Bay, about three dozen uh, tourists swarmed a park ranger as he recounted the history of Plymouth Rock. The famous symbol of the arrival of the pilgrims here four centuries ago. Okay. And they're in Plymouth, Massachusetts. The setting of this article is Plymouth, Massachusetts. Nearby, others waited to tour a replica of the Mayflower ship that carried the pilgrims across. On a hilltop above stood a quiet tribute to the American Indians who helped the starving pilgrims survive. Few people bothered to visit the statue of uh Osama uh Osamaquinn Osamaquinn the um the chief of the Wampanoag Nation, okay, whose people once numbered between thirty thousand to one hundred thousand people, and whose land what once stretched from southeastern Massachusetts to uh parts of Rhode Island. OK, so today the they so today the, the Wampanoag own about one half or one percent of the land they own before these European colonizers arrived. Now, long marginalized and misrepresented in American history, the Wapenogs are braced uh, are braced. For what's coming this month as the country marks the 400th anniversary of the first Thanksgiving between the pilgrims and indians the pilgrims and native americans but the actual history of what happened in 1624 the actual history of what happened in 1624 bears little resemblance to what most americans are taught in grade school historians say this once again is why the real history of this country has to be taught everything from 1621 to 1619 to 1526 when the Spanish were taking Africans into the territory we call South Carolina and Georgia, which was 93 years before, uh, that's 93 years before uh, Jamestown, Virginia. And uh, 1513 when Juan Ponce de Leon, the Spanish conquistador comes into Florida with uh, an African named Juan Garrido, who was born in West Africa about 1480 to uh, the first Americans were Africans documented evidence by Dr. David M. Hotep that deals with the African presence in this land. We call the United States of America going back at least 51,700 years ago. These were the Khoisan and there was a, uh, presence of them in South Carolina discovered by Dr. Albert Goodyear, who's an archeologist at the University of South Carolina. There was a big discovery made in 2004, fairly documented an African presence. In the territory we call South Carolina, going back at least 51,700 years ago before Native Americans even came into existence. So we have to deal with all of this history and we have to deal with this chronology of history. So the actual history of what happened in 1621 bears little resemblance to what most Americans are taught in grade school. uh, Historians say. All right. And then we see the attack on critical race theory. Which is a, which is a catch-all term, which is an attack on dealing with, uh, teaching about the history of slavery and racism and systemic racism and white supremacy, things like this, right? All this gets attacked because there's a, there's a concerted effort to keep the truth from coming out. Now, there was likely no turkey served. There were no feathered headdresses worn. And initially, there was no effort. Initially, there was no effort. Uh, by the pilgrims, to invite the Wampanoags to the, fe- to the feast, they made possible. Just as Native American activists have demanded the removal of Christopher uh or Christopher Columbus, his his uh, anglicized name, Christopher Columbus statues, and pushed and pushed to transform Columbus Day into an acknowledgement of his brutality towards indigenous people. Okay, as well as African people, because we know Columbus, first of all, as we've dealt with here on this show numerous times, because we separate fact from fiction, when we look at where Columbus went on his four voyages, and I, I teach about this in my classes on the weekend, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach him in school. When we look at where Columbus went on his four voyages, Columbus uh, never came to the land we call the United States of America. Okay, Christopher Columbus never came to the land we call the United States of America. You can go to history.com which is the official website of the History Channel, or you can look at other sources and look at where Columbus goes on his four voyages. He goes into the Caribbean, he goes into Puerto Rico, Honduras, and Panama. He's in uh, the Bahamas that he calls San Salvador. He's in Hispaniola. Uh, and we know the the Western third of Hispaniola becomes the French colony of Saint Dominique, uh, which becomes Haiti, okay? he's, he's in that area. He never comes to the land we call the United States of America. Okay. So we just, we just have to get that straight from the beginning. Now, just as native Americans pushed to transform the Columbus holiday into an acknowledgment of his brutality towards indigenous people, they have long objected to the popular portrayal of Thanksgiving. Now it's also important to note that, um, Uh, the Spanish, Columbus is conquering on behalf of the Spanish crown. And in uh, 1501, 1502, the Spanish start uh, shipping Africans into those Spanish colonies. And then you have the Asiento de Negros of 1518, signed by King Charles V, also known as King Charles I of Spain, which was a license uh, given to European nations and um, European slave traders to supply Spanish colonies with African slaves, the Aciento de Negros, okay, 1518. And this is going to accelerate the transatlantic slave trade. And the Asiento is going to come about after, um, um, right, Reverend Bishop Bartolomeu de las Casas uh, 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 appeals to the king to stop enslaving the uh, Native Americans in the Spanish colonies uh, because he said the Native Americans had suffered enough and he suggested that uh, the Spanish enslave uh, African people entirely solely African people stop enslaving the Native Americans. They suffered enough. We need to try to save their souls and and totally enslave African people. OK, this is Bartolome de las Casas, who traveled on uh, voyages with Columbus and he kept a diary. His diary was made into a couple of books I read read his books back in college he's later going to regret he's later going to regret that decision, but the die was already cast. You set into motion that the, the the Spanish really helped to expand the transatlantic slave trade, especially with Columbus and his four voyages, even though the Portuguese were the first ones involved in the transatlantic slave trade going back to fourteen forty one the when the Spanish get involved is really going to is really going to uh expand now. And we know the Spanish come here in 1526. Well, 1513 with Wampanoag's De Leon, the Spanish conquistador, but 1526, trying to set up a commentary that was uh, today uh, South Carolina in, in Georgia. Now, for the Wampanoag Native Americans and many other American Indians, the fourth Thursday in November is considered a national day of mourning, not a day of celebration. A National day of mourning, not a day of celebration. We're coming up on a break. When we come back from the break, we'll talk about the National Day of Mourning. And we'll talk about some of what happened at the National Day of Mourning on uh, Thursday, uh, November 25th, 2021. Listen to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation, the Future Radio on Motep. We'll be back in a few minutes. Hotep, everybody. This is Michael M. Hotep from the African History Network. Our Black and Palmet Friday weekend sale is on right now. We have a fantastic promotion for you. Get our bundle pack of two online history courses that I teach, as well as my 15 lecture downloadable bundle, African History Awakens the African Mind from Mental Death. These are both from me, Michael M. Hotep. They're on sale right now for only $100. That's 76% off. My first online history class is Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Kemet is one of the original names for Egypt. We deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. I do a PowerPoint presentation. We have book references, articles. There's about 100 articles that we cover in the class, over 200 slides that I put together as well. The, and there are also video clips, including excerpts of interviews I've done with some of our historians and scholars, as well as Renoka Rashidi, Professor James Small, Anthony Browder, Professor Kabahiawatha Khamenei, and Dr. David M. Hotep. In the second class that I teach, it's called Black Resistance Movements from the Haitian Revolution – the U.S. Civil War, Civil Rights Movement, and Black Power Movement, 1800 to 1968. And we dig in deep and look at history chronologically from 1800 to 1968 and look at what leads to the Civil War taking place. We study the Jim Crow era, the Reconstruction Era, 1865 to 1877, World War I, World War II, Civil Rights Movement, Black Power Movement, and the Great Migration, 1915 to 1970. To understand what happened to us after slavery ended, What were the laws and policies put in place to put us where we are today to understand where we need to go from here. I created both of these classes, created the curriculum, chose the content as well. This sale ends on Thursday, November 30th, 2023. Visit our website, africanhistorynetwork.com, africanhistorynetwork.com. You'll see the promotion at the top of the page. As soon as you register, you can start watching the content. You can join us for our next online class live Saturday, December 2nd, 2023, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can watch all of these classes on demand. And even after the course is over with, you don't lose access. Register right now. Order right now. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. article from the Washington Post that deals with uh, this tribe helped the pilgrims survive for the first Thanksgiving uh, they still regretted 400 years later this tribe helped the pilgrims survive for the first Thanksgiving they still regretted 400 years later long marginalized and misrepresented in US history the Wapinox are bracing uh, for the 400th anniversary of the first pilgrim thanksgiving in 1621. okay we're going to go to clip uh two here in just a second Jalen. all right so uh i i pulled up this article here during the break now this is from um uh history.com now this deals with uh the asiento de negros also britannica.com has some good information on this as well uh the asiento and uh, this is something that dr Maleficietti asante Uh, deals with as well. I've interviewed him twice. He's a friend of mine, chair of the Afro-American Studies Department at um, Temple University, almost at Howard. That's uh, my friend Dr. Greg Carr over at Howard University. Um, Details of brutal first slave voyages. Okay, this is from history.com. This dealt with some new uh, information that came out. A few years ago. Okay, now this article is from uh, March 29th, 2019, updated originally from August 31st, 2018. It talks about King Charles I of Spain, who signed an edict allowing slave ships to travel directly from Africa to the Americas. Human cargo on transatlantic voyages spiked nearly tenfold. And uh in August of 1518, King Charles I authorized Spain to ship enslaved people directly from Africa to the Americas. The edict marked a new phase in the transatlantic slave trade in which the numbers of enslaved people brought directly to the Americas without going through a European port first rose dramatically. This is what this is what Spain did. OK. And now, keep in mind, this is after. The Spanish conquer uh, the Moors and uh, the Moors lose control of the last stronghold, uh, Grenada or Granada, January 2nd, 1492. Uh, this deals with the uh, asiento de Negros. So uh, read this and also research the asiento. The transatlantic slave trade didn't start in 1518, but it did increase after King Charles I authorized direct Africa to Caribbean trips that year. In the 1510s and 1520s, ships sailing, sailing from Spain to the Caribbean settlements of Puerto Rico and Hispaniola might contain as few as one or two enslaved people or as many as 30 or 40. Uh, Quote, by by the mid 1520s, we're seeing 200, sometimes as many as almost 300 captives being brought on the same slave ship from Africa, uh, says uh, Professor David Weed, a history professor at Michigan State University. It's difficult to trace what parts of Africa the captives on board came from at, at that point at that point in time, since many were captured on the mainland and shipped to island ports off the coast before Spanish boats took them to the Americas. So read the, uh, read the rest of this here, but this deals with, uh, this talks about the Haciento and also, um, hold on, this talks about the Haciento and uh, Britannica.com has some good information on the Haciento as well. All right, now, if we go back to this piece here from uh, the Washington Post, um. Okay, so for the Wapanoag Native Americans and many other American Indians, the fourth Thursday in November is considered a national day of mourning, not a day of celebration. Because while the Wapanoags did help the pilgrims survive, their support, uh, followed by years of slow unfolding genocide, and take and the taking of their land okay so while the wampanoag native american nation did help the pilgrims survive their support was followed by years of a slow unfolding genocide of their people and the taking of their land okay i, I think they might want to do over on that one i think uh if they had to do all over again or as Cher says if uh, she could turn back time i think if they could turn back time Uh, things would have turned out differently to learn the history of the Wapanovs and what happened and what happened to them after the first Thanksgiving, a visitor has, has to drive 30 miles South of Plymouth uh, to the town of Mashpee where a modest uh, clapboard museum sits along a two lane road outside. There's a what two, uh, W-E-T-U, a traditional wampanoag house made from cedar poles and the bark of uh, tulip uh, poplar trees and a mishun, uh, an Indian canoe. Inside the three-room house sits Mother Bear, a 71-year-old Ma- Mashpee Wapenog, uh woman, hand-stitching a deerskin hat. She's lived her whole life in this town And is considered one of the keepers of the Wapanoag version of the first Thanksgiving and how the encounter turned into centuries into a centuries long disaster for the for the Mashpee Wapanoag Nation, uh, who now number about two thousand eight hundred people. The story continues to get ignored by the roughly one point five million annual visitors to Plymouth, Massachusetts museums and souvenir shops. The Mash P. Museum draws about 800 visitors a year. So the Plymouth, Massachusetts museums and souvenir shops draw about 1.5 million people per year. And they're not gonna get the Native American version of what happened that first Thanksgiving. The, Ma- the Mashpee Wapanoag Museum draws about 800 visitors a year. Okay, so uh, every year they have the National Day of Mourning um, in uh, in the Plymouth, Massachusetts area, the National Day of Mourning. And it took place, uh, they, they have it on uh, Thanksgiving Day. It took place this year as well. Uh, let's go to clip number two, Jalen, and uh, see what happens.
2: Members of Native American tribes gather together in Plymouth, but they're not celebrating Thanksgiving. They're mourning the mistreatment indigenous people have faced, says NBC 10's Mike Manzoni. Thank you all, everyone here.
3: Every year is noon on Thanksgiving.
2: What we need to do is, what we have been doing isn't working, and what we need to do is to um, decolonize, bring the land back.
3: Native Americans gather in Plymouth to remember their ancestors and remind people Why they don't celebrate the holiday. The National Day of Mourning, now in its 52nd year, brought out more than 1,000 people. They marched from Coles Hill to nearby Plymouth Rock, which they refer to as a pebble and a tourist trap. They say it's all part of an effort to push the myth that Native Americans welcomed European settlers seeking religious freedom and shared a meal with them. The Indians welcomed them with open arms and then faded into
4: the background and everyone was happily ever after the
3: end. But they say that story just isn't true. And they say it erases accounts of genocide and other acts of violence against Native Americans. That's why they use this day to tell their own history.
4: And the Muslims arrived on outer- take cod, by the way not on that pebble down the hill one of the first things the pilgrims did was to rob of the Hill and steal as much of their winter provisions of corn and beans as they
3: were able to carry and after leaving Plymouth rock they marched on to the post office square where they to another rally we're in plenty, like they and- all
1: right we'll continue this other side of the break uh, you listen to the African History Network show right here on 9 10 a.m. on the Superstation of Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael. I'm Cup. We'll be back in a few minutes. Uh, also, if you'd like to stop with your information, you support the African History Network. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Also, through PayPal, paypal.me. Forward slash the AHN show. So this us keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting, pay some of the bills. All right, we have to get out of here. Remember, right now it's correct wrong behavior is not over till we win we're kind of Forever. And we'll talk to you next time. Peace. Okay. We're gonna go back to that clip here in just a second, Jalen. Uh so right before the break, we were dealing with the National Day of Mourning and the real history of uh, the first Thanksgiving in, in 1621. This is a really good article from the uh, Today.com, the Today Show. On NBC, many Native Americans consider Thanksgiving a day of mourning. Here's how they mark the day. Many Native Americans consider uh, Thanksgiving a day of mourning. Here's how they mark the day. And um, this is a, um, this picture here is from uh, last year, the 51st uh, year in Memphis. Plymouth, Massachusetts, the National Day of Mourning, but um, they, they'll have similar banners each year. This one says, "In the spirit of uh, Metacom National Day of Mourning, United Americans, uh, N- United American Indians of New England." Okay, so this clip right here that uh, we, we were, I was sharing right before the break. Uh, this is from uh, NBC Channel Ten in Boston. NBC Channel Ten. Uh, in Boston, and this deals with what happened at the National Day of Mourning uh, on Thursday, November 25th. Let's go back to this clip, Jalen.
2: Members of Native American tribes get together in Plymouth, but they're not, not celebrating Thanksgiving. They're mourning the mistreatment Indigenous people have faced. Here's NBC 10's Mike Anzoni.
3: Thank you all.
2: Everyone here. Every year at noon on
3: Thanksgiving,
2: what we need to do is What we have been doing isn't working, and what we need to do is to um, decolonize, bring the land back.
3: Native Americans gather in Plymouth to remember their ancestors and remind people why they don't celebrate the holiday. The National Day of Mourning, now in its 52nd year, brought out more than 1,000 people. They marched from Coles Hill to nearby Plymouth Rock, which they refer to as a pebble and a tourist trap. They say it's all part of an effort to push the myth that Native Americans welcomed European settlers seeking religious freedom and shared a meal with them. The
4: Indians welcomed them with open arms and then conveniently faded into the background and
3: everyone was happily ever after the end. But they say that story just isn't true. And they say it erases accounts of genocide and other acts of violence against Native Americans. That's why they used this thing to tell their own history.
2: When the Pilgrims arrived on Outer Cape Cod, by the way, not on that pebble down the hill, one of the
4: first things the Pilgrims did was to rob Wampanoag Graves the Corn Hill and steal as much of their winter provisions of corn and beans as they were able to carry.
3: And after leaving from the Rock, they marched on to the Post Office Square where they oh held another rally. When oh Clinton, oh like Manzoni, NBC 10, oh
1: Okay. That's from uh, NBC 10 Boston. Check out this article here from NBC 10 Boston. Hundreds gather for day of mourning in Plymouth. Hundreds gather for day of mourning in Plymouth. The national day of mourning now on its 52nd year uh, drew more than a 1,000 people. And let's go to this here. Okay. The national day of mourning now in its 52nd year, started in 1970, drew more than 1,000 people. Uh, They marched from Coles C O L E apostrophe as Coles Hill to nearby Plymouth Rock, which they referred to as a pebble and a tourist a tourist trap a pebble and a tourist trap. Okay, so check that out now. Also, uh, NBC let me see ABC Channel Five in Boston, the uh, ABC affiliate in Boston also ran a story on November 25th, dealing with the National Day of Mourning as well. Let's go to clip number three, uh, Jalen.
3: Like Columbus Day, many indigenous people do not want to get rid of Thanksgiving Day. In fact, they say many Thanksgiving Day traditions are perfectly fine. But they say what the holiday stands for
5: needs to change.
3: There were drums and dancing the hill overlooking the Plymouth Rock Monument. Hundreds of people came together for what they call a National Day of
5: Mourning.
4: Currently, we are in a time of indigenous resurgence
2: with things happening on so many different fronts.
3: After speeches and prayers, the group marched through the streets, led by the granddaughter of the man who founded this event in
2: 1970. I wanted to deliver a message basically that we're still here. Keisha James
3: says she doesn't object to people gathering, eating turkey, and giving thanks, but she doesn't want them to celebrate what she calls the Thanksgiving myth.
2: That the pilgrims and Wampanoag got along and, you know, we simply know that's not true. The pilgrims came and pretty much immediately started
3: killing the Wampanoag. Marchers also called for more attention to be paid to the cases of missing indigenous women and the return of all land colonized in the Americas.
2: We're not saying give it back and get off. We're saying, give it back so we can heal it, so that we can all come to some type of reconciliation.
3: Organizers say they are encouraged to see people of many different backgrounds taking part this year, and said the day of mourning is a, a day to be proud, that after 400 years, they and their
2: culture
5: still exist.
2: We are still here today, and I stand here in peace and in solidarity. Oh, that is all. <laughs>
3: Now in years in years past the marchers ended by burying Plymouth Rock. That did not happen this year. Police report, no problem.
1: Okay, that's from uh ABC Channel Five in Boston also. All right. Uh so read the article from the Washington Post. We're gonna revisit that in just a minute here. And it, I, I did a number of posts uh dealing with this. Uh we posted about it on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network, and um uh, also, um, on my Instagram page and it got a huge, uh, huge response. Um, this one here from uh, the Washington Post, which came out November 4th, uh, 2021. This tribe helped the pilgrims survive for their first Thanksgiving. They still regret it 400 years later. It's about the Wapanoag nation. Okay. Now if we. Uh, Look at this one here from um, CNN. We're coming up on a break. Uh, On the other side of the break, Jayla, we're going to go to clip number one, okay, from uh, uh, Joanne Reed. Uh, National Day of Mourning turns Thanksgiving into something more honest. National Day of Mourning turns Thanksgiving into something more honest. Now, this is from November 25th, 2021 from CNN.com and they give some background history uh towards the end of towards the bottom of page 1 on the National Day of Mourning okay uh established in 1970 the National Day of Mourning uh turns the fourth thursday of november into, into something more honest uh many indigenous people use the day not only to remember the suffering inflicted in the 1620s but also to point out the struggles that indigenous people continue to face today in the form of, uh, on top of so much else, violence against women and girls. They're also heavily afflicted by uh, COVID-19, by coronavirus. Now, when we look at the origins of of National Day of Mourning, we'll deal with this on the other side of the break. Listen to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotep, right here on 910 AM Superstation WFDF. We'll be back in a few minutes. Hotep, everybody, this is Michael M. Hotep from the African History Network. Our Black Empowerment Friday weekend sale is on right now. We have a fantastic promotion for you. Get our bundle pack of two online history courses that I teach, as well as my 15 lecture downloadable bundle, African History Awakens the African Mind from Mental Death. These are both from me, Michael M. Hotep. They're on sale right now for only $100, that's 76% off. My first online history class is Ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Maafa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Kemet is one of the original names for Egypt. We deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. I do a PowerPoint presentation. We have book references, articles. There's about 100 articles that we cover in the class, over 200 slides that I put together as well. The, and there are also video clips, including excerpts of interviews I've done with some of our historians and scholars, as well as Renoko Rashidi, Professor James Small, Anthony Browder, Professor Kabahia Wafa Khamenei, and Dr. David M. Hotel. In the second class that I teach, it's called Black Resistance Movements from the Haitian Revolution, the U.S. Civil War, Civil Rights Movement, and Black Power Movement. 1800 to 1968 and we dig in deep and look at history chronologically from 1800 to 1968 and look at what leads to the Civil War taking place, we study the Jim Crow era, the Reconstruction era 1865 to 1877, World War I, World War II, Civil Rights Movement, Black Power Movement and the Great Migration 1915 to 1970 to understand what happened to us after slavery ended What were the laws and policies put in place to put us where we are today to understand where we need to go from here. I created both of these classes, created the curriculum, chose the content as well. This sale ends on Thursday, November 30th, 2023. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You'll see the promotion at the top of the page. As soon as you register, you can start watching the content You can join us for our next online class live Saturday, December 2nd, 2023, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can watch all of these classes on demand. And even after the course is over with, you don't lose access. Register right now. Order right now. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Welcome back to the African History Network show, right here on nine ten AM Superstation and Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, November twenty eighth, twenty twenty one, and we are live. Um, we're going to the phone lines in just a minute here. If you like this type of information, also you can support the African History Network. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Also through PayPal. PayPal.me forward slash the AHN show. PayPal.me forward slash the AHN show. We're here six days a week, so this helps us keep doing the research, stay on the air, uh, keep broadcasting, et cetera. All right, let's go quickly here to the phone lines. Let's go to uh, line one. Let's go to Leroy, line one. Leroy, thanks for holding. Tell us where you're calling from. Yeah, <clears throat> thanks for
4: taking my call. You know, I, I, I heard this about the Indians and uh, what are Native Americans. And uh, personally, you know, uh, I, I'm a descendant of slavery, so you know, I look at, you know, what happened during slavery when we get in, and plus now you, we you, have, you, you're descendant of Leroy, Leroy.
0: Leroy, Leroy.
1: Leroy. you're descendant of slavery, or you're descendant yeah. of former slaves.
4: Now my family, we we're the descendants of slavery. I wasn't born in slavery, but my great my great grandparents were.
1: So and weren't so, they free from you know, slavery?
4: And then, Weren't they free from slavery? They
1: Weren't they freed from slavery? Well,
4: uh, no, they, they were. They were free. Yeah, they were free from slavery. Okay, right.
1: so 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 you descended. You, you you descended of former slaves.
4: Right. Okay. And so you know, I'm, I'm. And then when you look at Virginia, and you know, on the logo of Virginia, that's what they have: is the Indians. The Indians on the logo of Virginia, uh, the state of Virginia, Commonwealth of Virginia. And I understand what they said, but at least they didn't put crack in, in, in heroin and try to kill him off with that and rap music. Uh, but you know what, man? I noticed I tried to call in last week. After what happened to uh, uh, the people that assassinated Malcolm X and were accused of that, do you, you notice nobody nobody apologized to the Nation of Islam for, for, for blaming that on them, for blaming the, the assassination of Malcolm not, not one. Group. Now one person come out and say, "Well, we apologize," because they they blamed all that on the on on, on, the, on the Elijah Muhammad, and that was wrong. Yeah, some people did because yeah. all the evidence, even then, you know, the, the, the word on the streets was then that Malcolm, that who paid for his trip to Miami and all of that, and that when he was going to give that that speech today, he was assassinated. That, uh, he, you know, even then, you know, that that he was going to tell what the deal was, what really happened, and who was, you know, who was behind kill, having him killed and all that. But it bothers me that, you know, when we look at the Indians and he, and what happened to Malcolm and them, that nobody apologizes when it's wrong. When they get caught and I mean, there's many it's YouTube videos, but the one YouTube video. Uh, the guy with the shotgun, who, killed, who actually fired the shotgun, right. walked out and the New York and wiped out the New York police with the shotgun hanging out of his pocket, exposed, and the police just let him go. You know. Now then, see, we didn't we didn't have YouTube back in the '60s, but the word of mouth, word of mouth was saying, "Hey man, look here," and I'm gonna tell you something else that when he gave the dollars for the bullets, speech. At a at the church here in Detroit, so King, he King ask, Solomon he can, Baptist Church. You know what? Listen, yeah, the 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 question and answer. He had a question and answer period after that speech. That's missing. That's missing. So it was, it, it's, know, mi- it's missing. Is missing from where? All these things,
1: Wait, 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 wait. The question and it, answers part is missing from where?
4: You can't find it. If you can't find the question and answer period after the speech that he gave at the church. And at the time, that church was like a, um, it, it was a community hub. It okay. was a community I'm, I'm not, hub back then. I'm, I'm they had sure. golden glove, boxing, and all that stuff back then at that church. Okay. Had, uh, Reverend, I think his name is Reverend Williams or whatever his name is. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not certain that, you can't, that I'm not
1: certain you can't find it, but okay. There, there are three versions of the speech also. He gave the speech. Uh, the, when he first gave the speech, that was um, March 29th, um, March 29th, 1964, in um, Washington Heights, New York. Then he gave it April 3rd, 64, in Cleveland, Ohio, Cory Methodist Church. And then he gave it April 4th, 64, King Solomon Baptist Church. Uh, I've heard the, I've heard the three different speeches. I, I'm I'm not, I'm not certain that. Uh, that doesn't exist. So, uh, it may, it may, it may be a situation where, cause I know there are records of it. So I'm I'm not certain that the the Q and A session doesn't exist, but okay. All right. All right. All right, Leroy, thanks for calling. Keep listening. Okay. Uh, keep, keep listening. Okay. We'll go to the next caller in here in just a second. Um, everybody, I want people to really understand this we have to understand history. First of all, I've had Dr. David M. Hotel. On this show, I think 13, 14 times. Uh, well, I've interviewed him 13, 14 times. I interviewed him first time before I even started on that. And I interviewed him first time back in 2011. He's the author of the book, The First Americans Were Africans Documented Evidence. This is, um, the 2000, this is the book that came out in 2011. His new book, cause I just interviewed him October 12th on Indigenous Peoples Day. His new book just came out, uh, about two months ago or so, because I interviewed him October 12th as well. So that's the last time I've interviewed him. All right. It deals with the African presence in the Americas dating back at least 56,000 years ago. but The first one that that research at least 56,000 years ago in South, South America and 51,700 years ago in, um, uh, the territory we call South Carolina and Georgia. Okay, to today, because the territory we call South Carolina and Georgia. So African people were in this land going back tens of thousands of years before Native Americans even came into existence. As I, I said numerous times before, and I I, I I'm not sure I, I'm not sure why people do this, but if you actually understand um history, um the the people when we say we're descendants of slaves, the slaves were freed in 1865 and then you look after slavery they refer to as freedmen or former slaves or slaves. like we look at this article right here from the zen education project november 28th 1898 first national convention of the ex-slave mutual relief bounty and pension association okay that that that, that meeting took place um november 28th uh 1898 okay 1898 is the same year That the, uh, that Louisiana, uh, rewrote their state constitution to impose poll taxes and literacy tests and to, um, uh, suppress the African American vote, things like that. That was also in 1898. 1898 is also the year that you have Williams versus Mississippi, U.S. Supreme Court case to challenge the, uh, Mississippi state, uh, constitution of 1890 that imposed literacy tests and the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that, um, the, uh, what's known as the Mississippi plan of 1890 did not violate the 15th amendment to uh the u.s constitution 15th amendment of 1870 uh, and and those poll taxes and literacy tests they were obstacles to african-americans voting they were obstacles to the 15th amendment but the u.s supreme court upheld that in Miss in williams versus mississippi but november 28th 1898 first national convention of the ex-slave mutual relief bounty and pension association The first annual convention convention of the National Ex-Slave Mutual Relief Bounty and Pension Association was held in Nashville, Tennessee, from November 28th uh, to December 1st, 1898. The Ex-Slave Mutual Relief Bounty and Pension Association was founded with a dual mission to organize mutual aid for its members and to pass federal pension legislation that would compensate every formerly enslaved person. A okay. this is this is 1898 now this is a picture of, of Callie House okay Callie House 1898 the, the convention elected Callie House a formerly enslaved woman from Tennessee to be assistant secretary of the association Callie House became its leader for the next 20 years okay House uh, Callie House explained the political goals of the organization she said "If the government had the right to free us she had she had a right to make some provision for for us and since she did not make it soon after emancipation she ought to make it now okay so to read this this there's also a book uh my face is black is true my face is black is true Callie house and the struggle for ex-slave reparations by mary Frances berry now what i when you go study this history and you go study history during reconstruction US Bureau of Refugees, Freedmen, and Abandoned Lands, Freedmen okay when you go look at history and you go look at the writings after slavery ended Reconstruction and then going to the Jim Crow era things like this the, the former slaves then refer to themselves as slaves, they refer to themselves as ex-slaves, former slaves freedmen, etc. So why do why do many of us who are some of their descendants, why do we keep trying to put them back into a status that they were freed from? Why do we they, they were freed from slavery? If you go look at the writings, you go look at the history after 1865, you look at the history of reconstruction, you look at the organizations that they're forming. Why do we keep trying to put them back into a status that they were freed from? Is it possible because we've been taught to have a slave mentality? So we keep trying to put them back into the status that they were free from? They were they were referred to as freedmen, former slaves, ex slaves. Why don't we keep trying to put them back into slavery? All right. We got another call of Jalen. No, sir. All right. Okay, three one three seven seven eight seventy six hundred. Is the calling number if you have a question or comment 313-778-7600 is the calling number if you have a question or comment okay we're going we're to go to clip number one Jalen. now this article here that we've been talking about from um uh the washington post uh, this tribe helped the pilgrims survive for their first thanksgiving they still regret it 400 years later long marginalized and misrepresented in u.s history the Wampanoags. Uh, bracing for the 400th anniversary for the first Pilgrim Thanksgiving in 1621, okay? Um, th- now, this was written by Dana Hedgepath, all right? Dana Hedgepath was interviewed by uh, Joanne Reed on uh, Wednesday, November 24th. And they talked about um, the National Day of Mourning. And she all, uh, Joy also spoke with uh, the chairman of the Mashpee Wampanoag tribe uh, as well, uh, Brian Whedon, and they talked about um, fe- uh, Thanksgiving as a, a day of mourning for the indigenous community. Let's go to uh, let's go to clip number one, Jalen.
2: This year marks 400 years since English pilgrims and the Eastern Wampanoag allegedly sat down and broke bread. The meeting, now known as Thanksgiving, is an annual holiday celebrated by many Americans, but not all. So let's open any children's book about that day, and you'll read about the hard, scrabble pilgrims who landed on mostly uninhabited land, and thanks to Native Americans, festooned in feathers, they survived and celebrated that feast around wild turkey and corn. Except that's not how it happened. As the Washington Post recently noted, the Wampanoag, a name that means the people of the first life, had lived on these lands as far back as 10,000 years, far longer than any American. By the time they had met the Pilgrims, their community had already been devastated by an epidemic brought to their shores by previous English settlers. So in 1620, when they watched Mayflower strangers invade their land, they thought they would try things differently. And by the spring of 1621, they made contact. In the fall of that year, the Pilgrims, who struggled through a harsh winter and learned how to plant beans and squash, thanks to the thanks to the Wampanoag, celebrated the success of their first harvest. They didn't think to invite the people who helped save their lives. fact, you didn't know that, because they don't tell you that part in the textbooks. In fact, the Wampanoag showed up later, only after the Pilgrims fired off their muskets. Naturally, the Wampanoag heard the gunfire and thought war was afoot. Realizing that wasn't the case, they wound up sitting down with the people who would become their colonizers. For many indigenous people, Thanksgiving is not a day to be celebrated, but rather a day to be mourned. Because while we gorge ourselves on turkey and stuffing, for native people, that day represents the start of hundreds of years of genocide, colonization, disease, and forced indoctrination of children stolen from their parents and forced to abandon their language and their culture in government-run boarding schools. With me
1: now is Dana Hedgepeth, Washington Post reporter. All right, we're going to take this other side of the break. You um, listen to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation. i Michael M. Hotep. Calling numbers 313 778 7600. 313 778 7600. We'll be back in a few minutes. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation and Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, November 28th, 2021. And we're dealing with, uh, some of the history, the real history of Thanksgiving and the National Day of Mourning. We're talking about this big article from the Washington Post from November 4th. And, um, I posted it on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network and our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotel on Thanksgiving Day. And, uh, a number of people were posting DL Hughley and Joanne Reed and many others were posting versions of the story and, and, uh, 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 memes of this uh, article This tribe Helped the pilgrims Survive for their first Thanksgiving They still regret it 400 years later They still regret it 400 years later This is about the wampanoag Nation Of Native Americans Now this article is written by Dana Hetchpeth. Dana Hedgepeth Who's a writer for the um, Washington Post Okay And uh, she's a Washington Post reporter uh, Joanne Reed on the uh, readout on MSNBC on Wednesday, November 24th, spoke with uh, Dana Hedgepath and Brian Whedon. Brian Whedon is uh, chairman of the Mashpee Wapanoag uh, tribe, Mashpee Wapanoag Nation. And they talked about Thanksgiving as a national day of mourning. All right, let's go back to this clip, Jayla. Their language and your
2: culture in government-run boarding schools. With me now is Dana Hedgeback, Washington Post reporter and member of the Halawa-Saponi tribe of North Carolina, and Brian Whedon, chairman of the Mashpee-Wampanoag tribe. Thank you both for being here. Really appreciate you. Um, I want to start with you, Dana. Thank you so much for being here this afternoon. Why did you write that piece? What prompted you to do it? There have been a lot of attempts, I think, over the years to sort of reimagine and sort of rediscover what Thanksgiving ought to be. What prompted you to write this piece? You know, it came about from a conversation with a very good editor at the Washington Post, uh, Linda Robinson, and we were chatting. She said, you celebrate Thanksgiving. I'm Native American. I'm from the Halawas County tribe in North Carolina. And I sort of chuckled and said, you know, it's not we don't celebrate the same way you do. Uh, Thanksgiving doesn't mean to Native Americans what it does to many others in the country. And so that got of thinking, what's the best way to tell that story? And the 400th anniversary brought about a great opportunity to do that. I was very fortunate to meet Chairman Whedon through introductions and to really listen to their side of the story that, as you said, is so often not shared. Yeah. And, you know, Chief Whedon, I think it's an excellent point because I think there is an American take of sort of looking at the arrival of Europeans here as just, a triumph, right, a triumph of will, a triumph of the Mayflower and the Nina and the Pinza and the Santa Maria, and sort of whitewash the fact that there were people here. And then to take those people and just make them, well, those were their friends, and they gave them corn, and then everybody did Thanksgiving. And to wipe out really what was a, a really tragic history, including for the Wampanoag of you know, encountering European settlers, getting wiped out by disease, maybe smallpox or whatever germs they were carrying, and then encountering them again, and then being colonized. How do the Wampanoag look at Thanksgiving, and and what what would you be doing on that day?
5: Um, I think first and foremost, it's important to understand that the Wampanoag people have always been welcoming. Uh, One of the reasons why we didn't wipe out the English was because they brought their women and children. We never brought our women and children to fight into battle, so we thought that they had come in peace. Um, It's kind of you know ignorant bliss on our side, I guess, Um, and we were you know more welcoming and. You know, taught them how to grow their corn and their crops, and to stay here. Um, we've always been welcoming people, and we still are welcoming people. Um, it hasn't really worked to our advantage over the past 400 years. Um, we're now witnessing uh, another pandemic here um, in the nation with COVID. Um, you know, so all the diseases that come through, we're still having diseases in these provinces mm-hmm. still today. Um, I would say that you know, Thanksgiving is a day of mourning. Um, the fact that our tribe only owns half of one percent of our ancestral territory. I um, mean, 400 years later, you know, we're still waiting for our fair share from the federal government and the Commonwealth, I think is pretty unacceptable.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I was looking at Vanna you write about the division of land and taking what had been vast land that the Wampanoag had, dividing it up into like 60 acre chunks and defying the culture um, of these great people who didn't divide land that way and, and tax it that way. How has what did you discover about how life has changed for, for this tribe in the, you know, century since? And how much of that culture remains? And I'll ask both of you that question, but I'll ask you as, as you just finished doing this piece. Well, they are alive and strong. As, as the chairman said, very welcoming people. And as Frank James, who's a very well known Wampanoag activist, who made a very famous speech in the 1970s, was dejected, in fact, from giving that speech publicly uh, at the time, but perhaps the best line from the speech was, befriending the pilgrims was perhaps our biggest mistake. Um, If you think about that and let that resonate for a moment, it did open up a long, slow, painful process of genocide, uh, taking of land. Taxation, ownership—things that were the antithesis of the very culture that American Indians and the Wampanoags especially prided themselves in—and you she know, and Chief, we you know, you're young. I just you're you you're only 28 years old, so you're you know a young man who's, who's growing up, you know, both in within your tribe and in your culture, but in this country. And I wonder, what do you say to people? who just want to move on, who just want to do the tomahawk chop at an Atlanta Braves game, who are like, why are you making such a big deal out of that? Why can't we just do Thanksgiving the way we want to? Including some younger people who don't want to deal with this history and especially don't want to deal with anything like reparation.
5: Um, I think it boils down to this nation. I mean, look at all the monuments and all these people that we you know, classify as heroes and our founding fathers. When you actually look into the history of what these people did, you know, uh, President Lincoln was one of the ones who had one of the biggest massacres, um, you know, of Native Americans in his time. Um, And he wanted to bring the nation together, so he decided to make this a holiday. Um, you know, I think that the country and the nation has played their part. Um, and we don't do a good job at, um, putting out the accurate information. It's very one sided. Um, and that's why we're here today to put our story out there so that we can bring awareness to this issue. Um, I think that it's ignorance on a lot of parts. Um, but as young people, I believe that it's our generation that will make that change and start uniting our nation.
2: Dana Hatchpeth, thank you for writing this very important piece. Hopefully everyone will read it. Um, Brian Whedon, Chief Brian Whedon. Chairman Brian Reed, more accurately. Thank yeah. you very much. Really appreciate you for being here. Thank you very much, Sarah.
1: Okay, so that was from uh, jo- Joanne Reed's show, um, The Readout on MSNBC. That is from uh, Wednesday, November 24th, 2021. Uh, right at the end, they mentioned uh, President Lincoln and the execution of uh, Sioux Native Americans on the day after Christmas, uh, December 26th, uh, 1862, during the Civil War. Associated Press has this article from December 31st, 2018. Uh, Lincoln ordered execution of dozens of Sioux warriors commuted sentences of others. Okay, this is what he's talking about. Uh, So if we look quickly at, at this, and we're coming up here on the break, uh, we'll go back to the phone lines, another side of the break. Uh, so, so the claim is on social media, social media posts circulating recently stated, uh, quote, on this day, uh, December 26, 1862, 38 Native Americans are executed in the U.S.'s largest mass uh, hanging. The execution was ordered by Abraham Lincoln, President Abraham Lincoln, during during the Civil War which is 1861, 1865. Uh, so this is true, and this is numerous sources on this, numerous information you can research on this. Um, 38 Native Americans were hanged on December 26, 1862, as ordered by uh former, what well, he was then president, uh, Abraham Lincoln, they say former president Abraham Lincoln, but he was president at the time, Abraham Lincoln, after the 1862 Dakota War, which also, which was also known as the Sioux Uprising of 1862. The sentences of 265 others were commuted, okay? a mili- So here's what happened. A military commission sentenced 303 uh, Sioux uh, Native American fighters to be executed after deadly fights, white settlers and soldiers had with Indians, Native Americans angry about the loss of their homeland and lack of access to food harold holzer h-o-l-z-e-r author of several books on abraham lincoln told the associated press in a telephone interview that lincoln reviewed quote every one of these capital cases end quote now according to reporting uh by the associated press the original trials were a farce some taking as little as five minutes in addition the native americans were denied counsel denied attorneys and did not understand what was being said uh, after the review abraham president abraham lincoln uh decided there was evidence that 39 uh Sioux, uh indians were guilty of murder or rape during uh the uprising and ordered their execution the remaining 264 sentences were commuted in addition one of those sentences Uh, one of those sentenced to be executed received a reprieve before the December 26, 1862 hanging of 38 Sioux warriors. Uh, Lincoln went against the advice of federal fellow Republicans in Minnesota who warned that showing mercy would, quote, carry a large political cost. Showing mercy would, quote, carry a large political cost and that, quote, lessons needed to be taught, end quote, according to Holzer. All right. Um, you listen to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation, the future radio. I'm Michael M. Hotep. We'll be back in a few minutes. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation, the future radio. All right. Calling numbers three one three seven seven eight seventy six hundred three one three seven seven eight seventy six hundred 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the calling number if you have a question or comment. So right before the break, we were dealing with uh, the real history of, uh, Thanksgiving and what, uh, actually happened at what we've been told was the first Thanksgiving in 1621. Uh, and we've been dealing with, uh, the National Day of Mourning also. Uh, many Native Americans look at, and some African Americans, I'm one of them, uh, look at, uh, Thanksgiving as a National Day of Mourning. People that understand history look at it as a National Day of Mourning. And we talked about the National Day of Mourning that took place in uh, Plymouth, Massachusetts, uh, on uh, Thursday, November 25th uh, also. OK, uh, we're going to go back to this other article from CNN in just a minute. And then uh, there's an article that I share each year from Indian Country Today, Indian Country Today, that deals with what really happened at the first Thanksgiving. We'll look at that briefly. Um and this article came out originally, I think it was like 2012, 2011, 2012. So I usually talk about this each year. There's more information now dealing with the real history behind the first Thanksgiving and how what we've been told was the first Thanksgiving is uh, inaccurate. There's more information now than it was like in 2011, 2012. Okay. Uh, Let's go back to the phone lines. Let's go to um, Jatan. Jatan, welcome to the African History Network show. Tell us where you're calling from. Thanks for holding.
4: Thanks for having me, uh, Mr. Uh, Inhofe Tap. And thank you so much for uh, taking my call and pronouncing my name correctly. I appreciate that.
1: Okay, no problem.
4: (laughs) Calling from Baltimore, Maryland.
1: Oh, Baltimore. Okay.
4: Yeah, calling from Baltimore, Maryland. Um to say it's a damn shame is an understatement. You know, I grew up with the mythology
0: mm-hmm.
4: of Thanksgiving. You know, he taught us in school to, uh they even had pictures, you know, they had <laughs> imagery to kind of go along with the with the myth.
0: Right. And and
4: we sort of grew up with that. And um, so did most of the people I know, you know, mm-hmm. my family and and such, and, and sort of morphed into uh, a day of Thanksgiving. Uh, but I never, I can't say I've. I only recently heard about the day of mourning. Mm-hmm. Um, since nineteen seventy.
1: Since nineteen seventy, yes. National Day of Mourning has been taking place. Yeah,
4: since nineteen seventy, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. I you know, n- nobody told us. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm just recently learning that, you know, in the in the last couple of years, um even 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 the way they narrate, I guess, the you know, quote unquote correction, you know, the ticker tape on uh Miss Reed's show read the indigenous story of thanksgiving Mm
3: -hmm.
4: as if that's an alternate story you know what i mean as if that's not the story as if you know that's not the truth of what happened this happens to be their version of what happened and you know, like I said, to say it's a damn shame is an understatement. My question to you, though, is, okay, now I know. Now what? You know, how do I introduce this to, uh, you know, family members and, and and you know, people that I know, people that I that I encounter? Like Ms. Reed, said, Ms. Reed stated, you know, people don't want to hear that. They don't want to, they don't even want to hear about their own ancestors. They they don't want to hear that. I don't, can we just, can we just pass us, the, yeah. the potatoes out? Who made the potatoes out? Can just pass the turkey? Right. I don't, I don't want to hear that.
1: So, so what, so I think.
4: So how well, do we, you know, right. how do we move our community to move, uh, uh, a more um, honest, you know, Ancient, uh, uh,
1: narrative right. Okay. So the way to do that, and we, and we got other callers too. So the way to do that, uh, I think is one, read these articles that I'm sharing with you because this deals with the history and it mm-hmm. deals with a lot of history that we have not been taught and it deals with, it ties in the native American history. Uh, there's a really good one from Washington Post is another one I'm about to share that I usually share each year. Uh, and this deals with what really Mm -hmm. happened at the first Thanksgiving, the Wapanox side of the tale. But a lot of what happened, there's similarities between the history of African people and also Native Americans as well. Right. And when when we look at the, when we look at books like The First Americans Were Africans Documented Evidence by Dr. David M. Hotep, and I've had him on this show a number of times, Mm -hmm. uh, African people were here even before Native Americans came into existence. We were here in this land that we call the United States of America right. even before Native Americans came into existence. So our so our land was taken, Native Americans' land was taken, but there's also mm-hmm. an intermixing of African people and Native Americans as well. And uh some some of the Africans who were here when who were already here when Native American when, when uh, European settlers get here or European colonizers get here, some of those groups are going to be reclassified as Native Americans. Okay. So, uh um, mm. if you, if you don't understand that history, you, mm. you won't know what happened to those populations and, uh, deal with, uh, name changes. Okay. And, and then you, and then also you're going to right. have, um, you're going to have some Native Americans who were enslaved by the English and taken into England. Okay. That history, uh, also happens as well. Oh, wow. So, uh, and one of them was Squanto because Squanto was the one who, um, Squanto was a Native American who showed the pilgrims how to uh, fish and how to grow corn and things like this. But he was a Native American who was captured in uh, this land in the Massachusetts area by the English taken into England. And he's going to be able to get away and, and come back to his people here. And he learns English okay squanto learns english right so, right, so you're uh-huh. going to have these things that happen also i encourage people to read uh, african people and european holidays and mental genocide by dr shaka musa Barashango. right uh, book 1 and book mm-hmm. 2 cuz in book 1 the first thing he starts talking about is historical roots of what he calls misgiving day misgiving day and he talks about the emoja karamu which is the unity feast and for african people to replace thanksgiving with uh, the unity feast and so, like I said, I'm not against us coming together with family and things like this on Thanksgiving Day, because a lot of people are off that day, and, you know, these are family members you may not have seen all year. Uh, and, yes, we're going to eat things like this, but th- that's that's different than this whole concept of Thanksgiving, et cetera. And, yes, we're going to be thankful when we come together. I'm not against us being thankful for what we have and we're still alive and things like that. I'm not against that either, Okay. But that's different than this whole concept of Thanksgiving, which is celebrated to uh, basically inspired by and commemorate that first Thanksgiving that we were told took place in 1621. And then the National Day of Thanks, uh, it becomes a national holiday in 1863, um, uh, declared by uh, President Lincoln. But it was inspired by Sarah Josepha Hale. And Sarah Josepha Hale launched a 36-year uh, campaign to have a national day of thanks, and she's the woman who wrote the nursery rhyme mm-hmm. Mary Had a Little Lamb. That's Sarah Josepha Hale. She's known as the mother right. of Thanksgiving. We're going to come to that in just a minute. Okay, Jatine, uh keep listening, all right? Thanks for calling. Keep listening. I, I, I sure will. All right. Thank you. Okay. So we, have, we have Theo on the line, Uh, Jalen. We have Theo Broton from Hood yeah, Research. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, yeah. Theo, how you doing? Yeah.
2: I'm doing fine two things one the the oil reparations was mentioned earlier
0: mm-hmm.
2: and there are a number of um native american
4: that have a casino is that considered
2: their reparations and let give your uh, email
1: a h n show uh, you can email me at a h n show at africanhistorynetwork.com, dot a h in show at African history network.com. You can also email me at the T H E A H N show at African history network uh, at gmail.com, the AHN show at gmail.com. You can email me there. Okay. Yeah. Casin- uh, casino. Cas- 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 native casinos. Native you have, native. you have some native American nations that have been able to get, uh, casinos, uh, their, their, their nations. And they, they, they've been able to, uh, get that. You have different, Native American nations. There are about, they're about 570 federally recognized tribal nations. Different nations have been able to okay. get different things. All of them don't have casinos. And also, it's important to understand that the U.S. government has violated over 370 peace treaties, as well with Native American yeah. nations. Also, okay. So you you have some of them that have been yeah. able to uh, get ca- uh, casinos, and some of them that have been able to get some type of land and, and cash payments. All of them don't have that and and compared to what they compared to what they lost compared to what happened to them and what they lost okay casinos are not reparations all right now it 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 was some type of they they may have been able to get some some type of compensation or something like that but compared to actually what they lost okay they you know that's not that now um Now, the other part of it is, you know, you're going to have some Native American nations that own African slaves. I've dealt with that numerous times, the Choctaw, Chickasaw Creek, Cherokee, and Seminole Indians. But still, even when you look at that, they own, what, about 1% of the slaves in in the country? Okay. And then after slavery ends, you're going to have the Black Freedmen Indian Treaties of 1866. And some of our ancestors who were enslaved by them or in those territories, like in Oklahoma, they're going to get land. They're going to get. Of cash payments they get they become members of these native american nations and um you're going to have an effort to push many of them many of those africans out of the native american nations like in 1941 when the u.s government conspired with what are known as the five civilized tribes of native americans to redefine what a native american is and they stated you have to have one quarter one quantum native american blood okay now different oh, yeah. now that but but at the same time even some of those five civilized tribes of Native Americans, even some of them, some of them are, you know, in bad shape. And there's been a fight to uh, the Cherokee uh, strip, the black freedmen around 2011 or so of their membership status. And they had to go to court and sue those, those descendants of the black freedmen sued to get their full status uh, restored. But all, all the Native American nations then own African slaves as well. OK. All right. We're coming up on a break. We'll hold you over for a few more minutes, uh, Theo. Let you quickly respond. You listen to the African History Network show right here on 9 10 a.m. Superstation Future Radio on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 9 10 a.m. Superstation Future Radio. I'm your host, brother Michael M. Hotel. We're going quickly back to Theo Broton for her closing statements here because we got to move on. We're almost out of time here. Go ahead, Theo. Is your show on after 9, Theo? Is your show on next? Do we have Theo on the line? Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three.
0: Theo was there.
5: Maybe she's on mute.
1: Okay. Take your phone off mute, Theo. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, 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 get, get Theo straight, Jalen. Just let me know uh, when we have her straight. We'll bring her back on for just a minute. Uh, everybody, check out this article here from indiancountrytoday.com, indiancountrytoday.com. This is one of my favorite articles dealing with this history, okay? And this this article originally came out like about 2011, 2012. What really happened at the first Thanksgiving? The Wapanag side of the tale. What really happened uh, the first Thanksgiving, the Wapanag side of the tale? Today, there, there are a lot more articles dealing with like the real history of Thanksgiving. This was one of the first ones all right and i've been i, I used to do it this this one each year uh so very quickly now this was updated september thirteenth twenty eighteen originally november twenty third twenty seventeen but there was a there this was out even before then okay uh from indian country today dot com uh this is written by gail curry uh uh Thonsing. all right now it, very quickly here Uh, They asked the question, so what really happened at the first Thanksgiving? They talk about how uh, the way we've been told the story uh, happened is not really uh, what happened. Okay, so the Wampanoag uh, Native American nation made a treaty uh, with the uh, people on the Mayflower, with the Europeans on the Mayflower. We made a treaty. The leader of uh, the leader of our nation at the time, Yellow Feather, Massasoit, Uh, made a treaty with John Carver, the first governor of the colony, the colony there in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Uh, They had they had their charter. Uh, They were still under the jurisdiction of the king of England. And uh, at least that's what they told us. So they could not make a treaty for a boatload of people. So they made a treaty between two nations, England, the nation of England and the Wampanoag Nation, because they had to make a treaty. Uh, because when you study this history, the, the, uh, those Europeans stayed on the Mayflower. They stayed on the ship during uh, during the winter. They had to make a treaty before they could come out onto the land. All right. And they made a treaty with the Wampanoag Nation whose land they were on. What did the treaty say? It ba- the treaty basically said we we would let them be there and we would protect them against any enemies and they would protect us from ours. OK, so it was a situation. You watch our back. We'll watch yours. The 2011 Native American one dollar coin commemorates the 1621 treaty, the 1621 treaty between the Wampanoag Nation and the pilgrim of the Plymouth Colony. It was basically a, I'll watch your back. You watch mine agreement. Later on, we collaborated on jurisdictions and creating a system that we could live together. OK, now, what's the mash uh, uh mash pea version of the 1621 meal? You've probably heard the story of how Squanto assisted in their planting of the corn. So this was the first successful harvest uh, and they were celebrating the harvest and planning. Uh, they were celebrating the harvest and planning a day of their own Thanksgiving. And it's and it's kind of like some of the arab nations do celebrate by shooting guns in the air so this is what was going on over at all right Plymouth, massachusetts they were shooting guns and cannons celebrating uh, uh, as a celebration they were shooting guns and and cannons as a celebration so the native americans the wapanoag hear the shooting and they think it's a war going on okay so massasoit the chief gathered up 90 of his warriors and they showed up at the Plymouth colony prepared to engage because of the treaty that they had entered into with the Plymouth colonists. So they didn't know it was so they didn't know what was going on. It was a fact finding mission. Okay, they weren't invited. They didn't know what was going on. It was a fact-finding mission. When they arrived, when the Native Americans arrived, it was explained to them through a translator that they were celebrating the harvest. So we decided to stay and make sure that that was true because we had seen in, uh, in, the, in other landings like Captain John Smith in, in 1607, in, in the Virginia colony, even the Vikings had been here. Okay. Even the Vikings have been here and we know in North America, John, uh, Cabuto, Giovanni, uh, uh John, uh, Caboto, Giovanni, uh, Caboto, uh, John Cabot of 1497 goes into Canada in the eastern portion of Canada. Okay. Another European explorer or colonizer. So we wanted to make sure. So we decided to camp nearby for days. Now, during those few days the men went out to hunt and gather food, deer, ducks, geese and fish. There are 90 men uh here and at the time I think there were on, there, there are only 23 survivors of the of the Mayflower. So you can imagine the fear. You have armed natives who are camping nearby. They the colonists were always vulnerable to the new land, new creatures, even the trees there were no uh there were no such trees in england at the time people forget that they had just lost they had just landed and this coastline looked uh very different from what it looks like now and their culture new and and their culture new foods they were afraid to eat a lot of things so they were very vulnerable and we did protect them we did protect them not just support uh not just support them we protected them you can see throughout their journals that they were always nervous. And unfortunately, when they were nervous, they were very aggressive. They were always nervous. And unfortunately, unfortunately, when they were nervous, they were very aggressive, okay? So the Pilgrims did not invite the Wampanoag Native Americans to sit down and eat turkey and drink some beer and things like this. That's folklore, okay? It is uh, just myth once again to try to uh, distort the genocide that's going to come after that. Read this article here. It's one of my favorite articles dealing with this history. What really happened at the first Thanksgiving, the Wampanoag side of, of the tale, the Wampanoag side of the tale. And oftentimes we wanna hear the history told by the colonizers, by the winners, okay, as opposed to uh, by the, those who were the victims all right so read this this is at indiancountrytoday.com all right now is um what did we, okay i guess we lost theo is theo's show after on after mine Jalen? okay okay theo broden's show is on uh on sundays 11 p.m to uh 1 a.m right here on nine ten 10 a.m superstation wfdf okay uh, if you like this type of information, you can register for the online courses that I teach on Saturdays and Sundays from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power 1865 to 1968 and understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school. We have a huge discount. It's like 73 percent off. You can get register for both classes uh, right now on sale for $70. It's right at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com They're regularly $200 and $30 for both courses. We do the sessions live, all the sessions are archived and recorded. You can go back and watch them anytime, even after the class is over with. Uh, we just posted the link here. Register for that. As soon as you register, you can start watching. And, uh, we'll be back, uh, uh, tomorrow. Also, you can support us, dollar sign the AHN show through cash app, dollar sign the AHN show through cash app and through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. Remember, uh, those watching on Facebook and YouTube, keep watching. We'll keep going for a few more minutes. Right now, it's correct for behavior. It's not over till we win. We'll kind of forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. All right. Stand by, everybody. Stand by okay uh we're gonna take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back stand by
0: historynetwork dot com e h n spelled historynetwork dot com uh that commercial for kwanzas dot com I'm the one that designed that commercial um I put that whole commercial together so if you like that email us at e h n dot com our current promotion is buy one month, get two months free. We have two or three more slots left. There's just a couple more commercials. Left. All right. Um, so right before the break, and we posted the information here so you can register for our online courses as well. um and We have the information at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can email me about it as well. We just posted the links here. We have a discounted, uh, here a special promotion. Um, that's going on right now for one or two more days. Okay. Somebody asked a question about five dollar Indians. That deals with the Dawes Allotment Act of 1887. Okay. This is something I teach about in my online classes as well. Uh, the Dawes Allotment Act of 1887 named after Senator Henry L. Dawes. A D-A-W-E-S under Henry L. Dawes of
1: uh, Massachusetts and it was supposed to um reallocate uh, about 138 million acres of land um between Native Americans and and black Indians okay the Dawes Allotment Act and two-thirds of that land went to white people um a lot of white people learned that so the Dawes Allotment Act
0: was like a um kind of like a census and you had to get the names uh in locations of, of Native Americans to uh you, you put them uh on the list and in, in, in the roles in the books and so you know who to allocate land to. And white people found out uh about
1: this land giveaway so they paid five dollars to have their names added to the list. Now you had to anglicize your name to be added to the doll's role. You had to anglicize your name. So this allowed a lot of white people to pay $5 to have their names
0: added so they can get some of this land. Uh, it was sponsored by Senator Henry L. Dawes. Uh, it was sponsored in several sessions of Congress by Senator Henry L. Dawes in Massachusetts. And finally, in act, uh, in February 1887, under his terms, the president, uh, determined, under his terms, the president, Under its terms, uh, the president determined, okay, the president determined the suitability
1: of the recipient and issued the grants, usually by a formula of 160 acres to each head of household and 80 acres to each unmarried adult. With the stipulation that no grantee could alienate his land for 25 years uh the native americans uh who thus received land became u.s citizens subject to federal state and local laws the original supporters of the act were genuinely interested in the welfare of the native americans but there was not enough votes in congress to pass it until it was amended to provide that any land remaining after the allotment to the Native Americans would be available for public sale. Okay, there was not there were there were not enough votes in Congress to pass it until it was amended until it was amended to provide that any land remaining after the allotment to the Native Americans would be available for public sale. The combined influence of friends of the Native Americans and land speculators assured passage of the act. Now, under the Dawes Act, Native American life deteriorated in a manner not anticipated by its sponsors. The social structure of the Native American tribes uh, was weakened. Many nomadic Native Americans were unable to adjust to an agricultural existence. Others were swindled out of their property and life on the reservation came to be characterized by disease, filth, poverty and despondency. The act also provided that any surplus land be made available to white, who by 1932 acquired two thirds of the 100 of the 138 million acres uh of land the Native
0: Americans held had held in 1887. All right. So uh, the Dawes Allotment Act of uh, 1887 there's another massive land giveaway. We're largely going to be locked out of um, massive land, giveaways like that.
1: Okay. Hotep everybody. This is Michael M. Hotep from the African History Network. Our black empowerment Friday weekend sale is on right now. We have a fantastic promotion for you. Get our bundle pack of two online history courses that I teach as well as my 15 lecture downloadable bundle, African History Awakens the African Mind from Mental Death. These are both from me, Michael M. Hotel. They're on sale right now for only $100. That's 76% off. My first online history class is Ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Maafa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Kemet is one of the original names for Egypt. We deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. I do a PowerPoint presentation. We have book references, articles. There's about 100 articles that we cover in the class, over 200 slides that I put together as well. The, and there are also video clips, including excerpts of interviews I've done with some of our historians and scholars, as well as Renoka Rashidi, Professor James Small, Anthony Browder, Professor Kabahiawatha Kamane, and Dr. David M. Hotel. In the second class that I teach, it's called Black Resistance Movements from the Haitian Revolution, the U.S. Civil War, Civil Rights Movement, and Black Power Movement. 1800 to 1968 and we dig in deep and look at history chronologically from 1800 to 1968 and look at what leads to the civil war taking place we study the jim crow era the reconstruction era 1865 to 1877 world war one world war two civil rights movement black power movement and the great migration 1915 to 1970 to understand what happened to us after slavery ended What were the laws and policies put in place to put us where we are today to understand where we need to go from here. I created both of these classes, created the curriculum, chose the content as well. This sale ends on Thursday, November 30th, 2023. Visit our website, africanhistorynetwork.com, africanhistorynetwork.com. You'll see the promotion at the top of the page. As soon as you register, you can start watching the content You can join us for our next online class live Saturday, December 2nd, 2023, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can watch all of these classes on demand. And even after the course is over with, you don't lose access. Register right now. Order right now. Visit our website,
0: AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com.